plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover. And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast. And we're from Now TV. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. Right, Fran, before we kick off, we're going to have a few words here, OK? So, in the week, I've been on a Teams call. The dog's come over to me. I thought, all right, I'll give it a little cuddle. It's fallen asleep. You've taken a screenshot. You've <laughs> then put it on Instagram with the Z sort of sleeping emoji describing my chat. It's not my fault your dog fell asleep because your chat was so boring. No. And it was retaliation because you cut me out of your WhatsApp picture. That's completely savage. We were reunited after months of not seeing each other. Took a snap. Lovely memory. Oh, don't worry. Just my elbow featured. Yeah, but you're standing about six feet behind me. It just looks weird. You're like loitering in the background. I can't have you. I'm a single man. I've got to try and put myself out there a bit. Tom, as much as I'm sure everyone wants to hear your gripes about our friendship, this week is not about our friendship. No, true, it's about true. another friendship. That's very and true. And one half of that friendship is Billy Piper. She was the soundtrack to my early years. Because we want to. Because we... <laughs> Although, again, this is not about her singing career. It's, and it's definitely not about yours. Give me time. This is all about plot twists, Tom. Um, obviously, Billy was hugely loved for being on Doctor Who, which has such a massive, massive cult following. Um, she was on so many screens. Then went on to do sort of Secret Driver Cool Girl, which everyone loved, particularly me. Oh, what a series. And that's actually how she met Lucy Preble, who is the other half of the friendship duo joining Billy on this week's episode. She was actually the writer for the first series of Secret Diary of a Cool Girl. They've collaborated a few times, obviously most recently on I Hate Susie, which we're going to talk to them about. A lot of questions to ask there. But just going back to Lucy, Fran, she is a brilliant, brilliant writer. Um, not afraid to tackle some of the more controversial topics and themes in society as part of her work. In fact, she's actually one of the writers on Succession, also available on Now TV. I mean, just casually won the seven Emmys the other night, as you do. But she is super talented and she's actually our first writer that we've had on Plot Twist. So very excited to have her on. And we both loved I Hate Susie. I mean, we binged in a day. Yeah, you can watch I Hate Susie on Now TV. It's a great show. It's about this lady called Susie who is a childhood star. And essentially her phone gets hacked and some very compromising photos are leaked. And it's so cool because each episode is a different essentially grief response so shock denial fear shame and it's amazing to watch because you really really are there with them in it literally like five minutes in chaos ensues and it's there for the rest of the series it's totally gripping didn't you say you felt claustrophobic in the first scene oh i felt i felt chaos i felt claustrophobia i felt so many different emotions but you've got to watch it to understand and i tell you what if you're interested in achieving fame in your life this is going to probably change your mind yeah, you might think again. <laughs> so we were very excited to talk to Billy and Lucy about the show and obviously their own careers, and their own plot twists. So uh, let's see what they've got to say. Here is our interview with Billy Piper and Lucy Preble. Um, plot twist! <laughs> <laughs> That's like your new thing. 
Right, let's do this. Billy Piper, Lucy Preble, welcome to Plot Twist. Ah, oh, thanks for Hello. having us. Nice to be here. <laughs> before we before we properly kick off, I've had a little bit of creative inspiration here. The Piper and Preble. What a great pub name. Oh. A pub I drink yeah, at, I think. I That's next. That. <laughs> that <is it. laughs> yes, what are you that. doing next? We're opening a pub. <laughs> <laughs> Just serving pints. <laughs> and there's only six people allowed. <laughs> I would not I'd be at, I'd be out the back. I'd be doing the accounts and stuff. I'd be in a yeah. dark back room, probably, and Billy would be at the front. <laughs> at the pints. bar where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> Now, guys, obviously you are here for your new series, I Hate Susie. The series is out, the reviews are in, and looking very, very good, by the way. What's the feeling now? Is it almost relief that the, the hard work's been done and you can look back and see all these amazing reviews coming in? But that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this the other day with someone about, um, you know, it, does it feel really amazing or is it just simply a relief? And um, it's... I'd say it's a combination of the two things. Um, I, it's becoming increasingly satisfying to hear what people, members of the public, have to say about it. Obviously, it's great to get good reviews, but just actually hearing people and especially women connecting with the show in the way that they seem to, yeah, that's really that's that's really moving actually. Yeah, and it is. Um... It is always relief, I think, is the fundamental feeling for me anyway. I think what's new about this that's a bit different is I've never really worked on anything that's had quite such a short um, experience time because they, because they dropped altogether. It means that mm. quite a lot of people have watched them in quite um, short order. Mm. And normally when you do something like you work on a play and it runs for hopefully a couple of months or something, or when you've had a television show out before that's on week by week, there's a kind of a, a build of reaction. Of course, there's always the day that the reviews come out, but the whole experience seems to last a lot longer. And what's very 2020 about this is having worked for like four years on something, suddenly like in a weekend, it's like an incredibly intense reaction everyone's watching it and then they finished it and you sort of go oh my god oh that was that was quick and intense <laughs> bit of whiplash of it coming out and suddenly yeah. the reactions are in yeah i watched it in two days two days was was my time that's what a lot of people <laughs> have done which is which is great because that's it implies exactly. that people loved it but you that's know exactly right that's how i like to watch things now and if you for me like if i don't watch things in that way i i, I feel like there's something wrong with it but actually, yeah, it's something wrong addicted. with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it says more about me than the show. Well, I, I, I do sometimes think that because I think that there is something about I Hate Susie that is very particularly designed for our attention spans now. Um, I remember when Billy and I originally started talking about it, Billy would joke, but rightly, you know, that you know she'll turn something off incredibly quickly unless it sort of has has grabbed her. <laughs> Literally and the first her. few frames. <laughs> and now I, I'm it's now gone. I'm now going through that process with trailers. Oh, wow. like, it's, it's like, nope, first three frames. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, you know, sometimes the show gets talked about as being quite brave and challenging. And, it, and I think in the subject matter it is, but I think in an, another way of looking at it would be that the really brave thing now would be to do something like Head Revisited that's incredibly sort of slow over kind of 20 episodes or something, um, because I think that that would be something that people would really kind of be challenged by. Going back to those opinions, and obviously we're in a world now of social media where you almost can't avoid it, really. 
But what opinion matters most to you both? Because we should say that you guys obviously are best pals. Mm. Uh, is it almost your own creative feedback to one another? <laughs> no, no, I was going to say it's something you know. <laughs> it is definitely not that. <laughs> no, but th- that does matter. But it's it's so consistent all along. Like you know, as in, there's never been a moment where we haven't been completely creatively connected over the show. So of mm. course, whenever Billy has said as she has done, you know, I don't quite buy this moment, or I don't think this this line feels a bit written. Like that's just a constant thing, and I'm really grateful for it. We work like that all the time, and and the work's probably better for it. No, I was going to say something unbelievably egocentric, which is the genuinely, probably, if I'm really honest, the opinion that matters the most to me is mine. Like, as in, I don't like a lot of mm-hmm. what I do. As in, I, I'm quite tough on myself. And, and mostly when people do criticise something, I, can re- I agree with it very quickly. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think that. I thought that. You know, I wish I wrote differently. And when I actually am secretly a bit proud of something, that, that's a, quite an unusual feeling for me. Yeah, I, I would have to say the same. I mean, I can sort of find holes and flaws in most of the things I do. So I think, for me, I felt really, really quite happy and proud and confident about this show in in the post-production stages, it was coming together quite well. And I think after Christmas, we saw the first edit of, uh, serious edit of episode one. And I was just like, oh my God, I love this. I, I actually love our show. You and that were like was, that from the start, yeah. Yeah, and that was really, that was a very surprising, very new experience for me. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. So correct me if I'm wrong, is this the, the third project that you guys have worked on together? Yeah. Do you find that your friendship, because Fran, we were talking about this the other day, that by working on Plot Twist, our friendship has evolved. And you certainly can't compare the creativity <laughs> of Plot Twist to I Hate Susie. But do you find that over the course of those three projects that each time your, your friendship has evolved? Thankfully, yes. Um, <laughs> I think, Lucy, you're, you're, this is one for you, really, because um, you had your doubts, didn't you? <laughs> About, about friendship, friendship. yes. Yeah, no, that's about friendship. <laughs> Throughout the course of making this show, or even just just getting, just evening those early stages. Yeah, particularly at the early stages, actually, because once I'm working on something, then my focus is absolute, so it's less of a th- of a thing. Um, but at the early stages, I was very wary of the fact that because I value Billy and my friend my friendship so much. I kind of thought it wasn't worth the risk. There was a part of me that thought it wasn't worth the risk. That, you know, I also know that I can be fiercely protective and quite aggressive about my own work, actually. Like, um, it is is sort of one of the most important things to me. So there are occasions where I think, oh, if I, you know, if if I behaved very strongly, I could could upset, you know, Billy and, and, and quite easily, and I could like let myself down and I sort of so it took a while for me to go actually yeah we should we should do this because we are so close rather than you know not do it because we are so close and that's just something I have to keep relearning in my work and in my life that sometimes the risk is worth it you know I think Fran would definitely give you that feedback yeah I mean we've got a lot closer working on this together but do you, do you find it quite easy to switch between we're talking about the project and now we're being friends because I, I have a lot of sort of projects that I work on with people that I'm very close to personally. And I think it works well when you can kind of have that agree to disagree moment, but then switch into sort of the friendship side. Yeah, I, I, I think we, we have that um, 
there were a few moments um, when we were filming where I would say to Lucy, um, you know, that, that thing you're doing, that, like, uh, that energy that's coming off you, um, it's presenting as anger, but I, I don't think it is. And so maybe <laughs> could you, do you want to dial that down? Do you want to think about it? <laughs> because I don't know if the person that's on the receiving end is um, able to re receive it. I mean, this makes her sound like a monster. Which he is now. <laughs> I'm now. I'm now officially a monster. Yeah. Well, Fran says that about me. Really? <laughs> yeah. But you know, but it's funny. Stubborn. Yeah. Uh, is he? Very stubborn. I see. You, but you know, there's there's good things and like I, I, you know, the other side of that coin is that I can get to a place where I, it really doesn't matter to me if somebody, if there is a social break, you know, if it's necessary. I don't mean sort of being mean to someone, but I mean, you know, there's a point where where if it's if there's something difficult to say um but it's necessary for the for the work even if it's if it's if it's going to be socially difficult i will be the sort of person who will say the thing so i think there's a mm. good side to that coin as Absolutely. well that actually there are moments where you can i can i can see something maybe going off in slightly the wrong direction um, where you have to go. Listen, this isn't going to work, and we're going. And I know that you feel very strongly about that, but we have to do it like this. Where there is a sort of social awkwardness or a break in happy, cheerful atmosphere, and I kind of, I kind of also want to feel comfortable to be able to do that. And the the work, the things I regret most work-wise, actually over the years, have been the number of times that I capitulated haven't, yeah. yeah haven't done that and I look back mm -hmm. now and I think I was preserving a relationship that frankly didn't require that level of preservation and mm. and, it, and it sort of had a bad you know eventual impact I'm less I'm less good at that but I think do you think Lucy that a lot of that comes from working in the theatre because it's so rigorous and and the personalities are really big and and often insensitive <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, but because you know there's a there's it feels like there's an awful lot at stake when you're working in the theatre in a way that yeah you know it, it feels different in TV yeah and also it means that you, it means that you've worked in an industry for a long time where the writer is regarded with a certain level of authorial respect now that's yeah. not always necessarily a good thing um, it depends but the history of it the legacy of it is that people do listen to you in a slightly different way. And television, traditionally, particularly in Britain, hasn't had that sort of reverence for the writers. So I do, I do, I do sort of have an expectation to be listened to that maybe some people are surprised by. <laughs> well, the question for that is, what have you had to tell Billy off for? Oh no, not Billy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm terrified of Billy. Wouldn't go near her. Um, no, no, no. Like that, you know, I can. I'm aware that sometimes I'll. Yeah, you know, there, 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 are, there are thoughts I would give to Billy on set or that, that she's, you know, she knows me. She knows that my energy when I'm stressed is a sort of a very particular kind of thing and she can choose to listen or not to listen. But yeah, but, but yeah Billy and I, not so much, really. Um, well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next No, can I so... just say the other night, um, yeah. we had a conversation that we are now in a... Uh, it's maybe quite exposing. We are now in a in a situation where we can we can fight. Where our friendship is strong. Ooh. We've worked together a few times. I don't know if you remember saying this to me, but it was almost like you were inviting a fight. So I 
We could probably have quite a few rows now. I've no intention yeah. of rowing. I really actually, can't be bothered. The, can't be bothered, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but that's actually a really good point because it's a little bit like in a romantic relationship. I think, I think there's a period of time, you know, at the very, very beginning of a relationship where you avoid conflict, mm. you know, because you sort of really, really want to get on and present yourself in a certain way. And then when a relationship becomes quite serious, you have to work things out and you have mm. to be present as a it's person. security, is, isn't it? Yeah, and to you know that. that you can fight, and then and then and and that, that doesn't mean that everything's destroyed. Now, guys, we got some specific I hate Susie questions, but before we go there, you guys must get asked the same questions over and over again. So we have got a new feature. So time for the random question generator. So as Tom said, we want to talk about some really big, but really pretty let's face it unimportant questions of life so we're going to get you both to pick a number uh and then we'll go for a question so billy do you want to pick a number first between one and six? Oh, one and six okay <laughs> um <laughs> three three okay nice. this is a good one nice one so question number three is what always cheers you up when you think about it um Hmm. My, <laughs> my answer's kind of quite sad, I think. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just trying to be truthful. <laughs> Go on. No. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Because the real <laughs> truth of it is, there's like two things come to mind. One is, Billy's going to go mental. One is like, um, like when a new video game's coming out that I'm really excited about, um, I, I, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to play a new game, like a child. And that really, and I find that very exciting. Like, like, like it just makes me happy. It makes me look forward to something, which I think is a big part of happiness. It's like not even necessarily yeah. doing it now. And in a similar way, and this makes me sound like a depressive, thinking about my bed makes me really, really happy. Like, no, I get that. Like, again, it's like looking forward. It's like, oh, my God, later on, I'm going to be in bed and I'm going to be so cosy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and safe and kind of like... But that does make it sound like I'm sort of getting ready to die on some level. <laughs> like, I'm just like, one day this will be forever. Um, it's not that. How about you, Billy? Mm. Those are good ones, Liz, actually. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Look, I don't mean to help you out too much, Bill, but you'd better say your kids, because yeah. otherwise you're going to seem like a monster. <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously, I would like... Look, obviously, my kids, yes. Um, there are moments, and they may be fleeting, but there are moments in, um, in raising children that are unparalleled like they're 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 joyous loving moments that um i can't match or find anywhere else and they're often moments around the dinner table that can start as fun and then end in a row but it's always quite um interesting and um loving um stuff like that or yeah just unexpected beautiful moments with my kids i really love that and you know, also, I, I, I just because of everything that's going on again now with COVID and stuff, I just, I do, I am finding myself lamenting over time spent with a lot of people 
celebrating I'm thinking about that mm. more and more and I'm, I'm finding myself getting um, and I know this is a, a, a shared experience with people finding myself getting quite low about that um, uh, not having that and what that meant and what it meant to mm. you know young people being together at the weekends just stuff like that I don't know I, that's in my mind at the moment and I and I'm having very strong fond memories of those sort of freer times I guess it does give you a new perspective doesn't it when you were allowed to do that again or the, the number of people you could meet with was increased yeah and I guess it's a fear of going back into a lockdown actually there's something mm. quite triggering about that that I'm starting to go through in a way that I didn't the first time round. um you know it's really sad to think we can't go and watch live music it really that that is very important to me and that really gets me down mm. um but that's not what the question was <laughs> <laughs> i mean the question was <laughs> to be honest, but that's fine. it was the opposite <laughs> that was the opposite <laughs> i mean ours were quite varied yeah. as well i think tom's yours was robin williams um yeah i guess it was just talking about memories that's that... pretty melancholy as well now <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> no, but I guess it was in the sense that uh, in my childhood, someone like a, a genius like Robin Williams and the warmth and the humour or even a show like Only Fools and Horses, I guess it's a, less sort of a memory, uh, but more go-to that, especially nowadays, you can just go on YouTube and watch an interview and be taken away and engrossed in, in his brilliance for a few minutes. I guess for me, that was something that as a pick-me-up, I would I'd probably choose. I thought it was quite lovely. Mine was more lighthearted. Mine was looking back at old memes that I've sent my friends that just make me laugh out loud. <laughs> like, when you get a great meme, I, nothing for me beats that. Touches uh, it. Honestly, doesn't touch sides. I'll, I'll scroll back through to find one. I'm like, do you remember that really great one? And then I'll re-laugh about it again. Um, I think that's on par with the video game, so I think we're, we're one of the same. That's um, great. Right, we'll go for one more. So, Lucy, do you want to pick a number? Yes. Number six, my lucky number. Ooh, number six. So what do you both think is the best invention of the last 50 years? Well, um, this sort of ties in with my last thing I said, but um, I think <laughs> it's quite exposing this question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I would say Glastonbury. I, although it's probably 51 years old now, but I would say for me, wow. I know this is Lucy in the world of tech, this is blowing your fucking head off. Love that. But um, I would say one of the best. Of, well, look, because like what I could say, I could do some like kitchen utensil, but that's just, or I don't know, whatever, Glastonbury. That a really, that's a very good answer. I'm teasing I think you. it is, uh, it's, it's, untouched that experience for me um i absolutely love that place oh i can't wait for the first time you go back after all of this well like, we'll never go cool. back yeah i can't why would how can you imagine us ever going back to that number of people in that space together behaving in that way i will tell you exactly how vaccine which will be the best invention of the next 50 years <laughs> yes there we go there you go that's it that's that's true i think the glastonbury yeah. one as well is, is quite pertinent because wasn't it the 50th anniversary this year so it's very on brand oh, for wow. the question very time yeah very timely thanks I'm going to say something much more uh, sort of pretentious and high-minded, which is... Um... <laughs> I can't wait! <laughs> I, was, I was going to say the contraceptive pill, because um, good I think having control <laughs> of, of not I getting pregnant... to have all the sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, 
like to have a lot of unprotected sex. No, no, no. Um, because I'll tell you honestly why. Because giving giving women like a constant level of control over mm. not getting pregnant, I think is a complete game changer in terms of power in society as well as um, you know the physicality of, of you know getting pregnant and having children. And, and one thing I will say as I've got older is I've realised how much. Um, Every single person I meet and encounter is so defined by their parenting in a way that I hadn't mm. quite realised when I was younger, like, and, and, and struggles and stuff like that. But I think actually people being able, particularly obviously women really, being able to have children if they want to, when they want to, is probably, you know, and, then, and therefore them being able to parent from a more secure and um, positive mm. and choice-filled place is probably one of the biggest impacts you can have on a society psychologically as a whole um, because you're so defining the personalities of every, other, every person who exists and therefore how they'll behave. Not as good as Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ours were quite boring. We just, Sorry, we just went for, like, the internet and video calling, which we were saying, you know, make situations like this possible when it wouldn't have been before and like you say in lockdown being able to actually connect with people in some way versus what we would have been able to potentially 50 years ago but um I mean there we go yeah. I can't speak for everyone but I feel I've personally learned a lot I feel like the internet's probably the best and the worst isn't it mm. but we are on the plot twist podcast ladies so we should probably ask a plot twist question um Billy, you actually mentioned the, the unexpected. I guess that's kind of the notion of, of a plot twist. Mm. Uh, you both had a lot of success early on in your careers. Um, but if you had to call that one specific plot twist moment, what might it be? For me, I think the very definition of it for me was that I did a play years ago called Enron about the fall of a company, American company called Enron. And it was sort of a big jazz hands corporate musical, basically, type thing. And it was very successful in London um, and kind of took me into a different, like, professional world a little bit, uh, which was, was great. And a bit of a surprise because the subject matter did not at all feel like it was going to be really, really successful. And then pretty shortly after that, about a year later, it went to Broadway. Um, they transferred it over there. Oh. And it was a massive failure like to the extent that it lost more money than almost any other Broadway show in history and came off within 10 days. So everybody who'd been employed on it, which in Broadway is a massive amount of people, you know, mm. to, to, to behind the scenes as well as on stage and well as running the theatre, who thought they had a job for at least months and months and months were like unemployed like that and had no money and the whole thing was sort of collapsed. Um, and because it got a very, it got a sort of sniffy ruin, review in the New York Times, which is the only newspaper that matters over there. And, um, and they close things just... Yeah, they just close it down immediately. Overnight. They're like, this isn't going to work. So there's a, there's a real sort of brutal savagery to how the finances work over there. Um, and so in terms of a plot twist, like in terms of something that, uh, you know, a bunch of people over here had said, this is brilliant, mm. this is successful, this is this, then exactly the same production being described in the opposite way and failing massively it gives you quite a big insight into the fragility of things including people's perspectives and that it's very hard to just say that something is good or bad or successful or not like it depends completely on 
it, meeting a bunch of people at the right time in the right place. So it was quite a big life lesson and also psychologically quite useful massive. in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a massive sort of Massively damaging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but also, in a weird way, like, quite useful, like, eventually, yeah. because you go, okay, that's, you know, I'm not amazing, and I'm not massively, terribly shit. I'm probably, like everybody else, somewhere in between that mm. um, at different times, and that's the healthier way to, you know, be. Mm. How about you, Billy? Well, I mean, it's quite, for me, it's quite an obvious one, I suppose, just going from being a singer to becoming an actress, which was always what I wanted to do. And even as a 12 or 13-year-old who was about to get signed to a record company, in my mind, I was thinking, this is going to be, I don't, particularly want to do this I want to do this in as much as I want to be on stage and I don't want to be at school and it sort of Mm. means that I can do all these things that I really love but in my head I was thinking this is a stepping stone to becoming an actress um so when that finally happened six years later um um it was, it was, it was, it, I mean, to be honest, it, it was, I got so far with the music and then the fallout of that, that I really didn't see the acting um, as an option, sadly. But when it finally happened, it felt really good and suddenly really surprising. And that it went well was even more surprising, I guess. So in, obviously, I Hate Susie, each chapter is a different emotion around the response to sort of the phone hacking, which we really enjoyed watching. And I was saying to Tom, sort of each episode, you really feel that emotion with her as you're going through them. Some of them feel quite sort of claustrophobic and then others are really sort of loose and relaxing and then some are really cathartic. If we had to... Chaos as well. Yeah, and if we had to take that premise of you having to use an emotion to describe your own experiences in the industry, obviously both of you having real sort of success, what emotion would you pick that would summarise it up? God. Oh, it's hard, that. Um... It's funny, I'd never thought of that. I suppose in different ways, Billy and I, we both did have success fairly early, but in very different ways. Mm. Like I... You know, nothing as comparable as being a pop star at like 12 or 13 at all. But I, I had a, you know, in my early 20s, I probably did more stuff than most people would, would as writers, would do at that point, I don't know. And then I went quite quiet and unproductive for a while. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I mean, the answer is maybe not that... Is it an emotion to say doubt? I don't think doubt is an emotion, but I think I've been very defined by by where doubt meets anxiety a little bit. Mm. So I would say it's a big part of my personality, but also in that solving, in that constant feeling of doubt about, is this the right way to tell this story? What other ways would there be to tell this story? You know, is it even worth doing? Um, yes, it is worth doing, but it's only worth doing like this. Like... Is this good enough? Mm. What what do we see that's always a lie, and that would the truth would be a version of that? You know, what what truth would be a version of it? And a sort of constant going round and round of of, of self doubt and of anxiety, as unpleasant a feeling as it is, 
has probably defined my work and my choices for most of that. And I'm trying to do that less. I'm trying to get on top of that. But that sort of whittling away has, has kind of defined writing choices for me professionally. Maybe rather depressingly, I would have to agree. I would say... About um, me or about you? <laughs> <laughs> about me. <laughs> I definitely agree with that about you, but I was, I was saying it about me as well. I would say, I was thinking what's like some sort of like emotional disturbance. Like it can often be quite disturbing and... I definitely relate to that feeling of the extremities within the work and and everything that comes beyond the work. Um, I don't know that I have ever felt, let's say, a sort of calm or relaxed or like with the end of um, our show acceptance. I, I don't I don't think I'm there yet. I would say that my experiences are largely that of, um, you know, <laughs> extreme dysturbia. <laughs> dysturbia. <laughs> I think, um, I don't know that, uh, yeah, it doesn't really, I'm not sure that these industries, or I can only talk for myself, um, offer anything but something quite highly anxious, um, mm. yeah, highly anxiety-inducing. So think about that, guys, before you, <laughs> before yeah. you. But, but, you know, what's annoying about that is, for me, it feels, it's what I feel I'm born to do. It's the thing I mm. can do. And so, you know, I'll make myself readily available to it in that way. And I, I, I think, you know, that in itself is quite disturbing. But that's the show in a way, isn't it? It kind of cuts through the gloss and... I think with Fane, there is this gloss, and with I Hate Susie, that filter has been stripped away. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think that anything in I Hate Susie is heightened in a way that doesn't feel real. Like, it, that is what it is like, largely, I would mm. say. Um, that, that's not... A, I don't feel like it's a, a horrible exaggeration. I feel like that's something that feels and looks quite familiar to me, at least. But I know other people feel like that in different professions as well. The, the, the journey is different, but I'm, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? That, like, I remember when I was very young, I used to think famous people were sort of just better at what they did than other people. And that, you know, if you were to meet a very famous comedian, he or she would be funnier yeah. than anyone that you know. And if you were to meet a very, very famous singer or a very famous actor, like, they would sort of be a better class of person. And that's why they would have achieved the level of success and fame that they have, because they're more good looking, more talented, more charming. But actually, and I'm, I'm not talking about us or people we know <laughs> here necessarily at all, but I would say that the occasions in my life where I've run into or met somebody who is very famous, I've been struck by how the opposite is true, mm. how much the less they feel on some level, um, the gap there on some level that, 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 that is um, present. And I think particularly if you, know, if, you, if, you, if you meet comedians or anything, realising that actually... They're, they're not that funny, yeah. And and, and the, well, they're, <laughs> they're about, you know, often and dark, yeah. And in me, and, and often they're about as funny as your second funniest friend when you hang out with them. That the point is when they do a show, you know, they they work incredibly hard to be unbelievably mm. funny in that environment. Mm. 
So obviously that's not always the case, but I've been, I've been struck, I was surprised. And that transition into going, oh, fa very famous people are better than everyone else, to sort of going, oh, very famous people are working really, really, really hard. To be to, normal. To be normal and to repair something that actually is maybe damaged rather than better. Yeah. Absolutely. Like a party that's full of really very, very famous people is quite often just a room of very damaged people. <laughs> and when you realise that, it's quite comforting. Yeah. Um, and it also makes you really appreciate the rest of your life um, sometimes, you know, because you're not carrying around that imagining that, oh gosh, everyone would be, so, you know, I would be so much happier if I was very famous and very rich and very successful in this particular industry. And when you have the occasion to glimpse that and how not true that is, it means you're lucky enough to go back to a situation of going, actually, it's, it's, it's fucking great to hang out with your four oldest friends who do really make you laugh. Like, that's genuinely more fun than that party Billy's describing. Yeah. It, um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I was thinking then, I, I don't know that I could maybe list one person I've met in our industries that seems too have it down do you know what I mean like have have the balance be chilled have a sort of healthy relationship with themselves and the, the people around them I mean is there anyone that springs to mind I was thinking do you think like Jeff Bridges is is someone who seems <laughs> to get it right um, I have no idea. Well, Tom Hanks does it right. To, 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 Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Tom Hanks has had a lot of tragedy in his life as well. Yeah, that's and I'm true. not saying that's yeah. in direct relation to him being Tom Hanks, but it's definitely not a. It, it, it's actually quite hardcore. His his life. It sounds. On the topic of people, obviously you've spoken about where there's a lot of expectations on you and having those sort of people around you that root you in who you are and and you can just be yourself with. Another little plot twist question for you. Is there anyone in your lives or throughout your careers that has been sort of more of an unexpected force that you haven't seen coming to outside of just sort of your family and friends? Well, Billy was that for me to a really big extent. Um, in that if, you, if you had told me, yeah, yeah, I'm just doing this, so yours is going to look rubbish. Now, <laughs> um, no, like, but if, if, if you had told me that like 90s pop sensation Billy Piper would be like my best friend and, you know, work <laughs> colleague and muse and, you know, uh, champion, I would have gone, that's weird. <laughs> Seems unlikely <laughs> and strange. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because it's very, very rare that somebody can know you as a person and a friend and also as a writer, as what you do for a living and sort of help you and support you in both areas. And, and actually for that to feed the friendship rather than, like I was saying earlier, to sort of like challenge it or take away from it in any way, you know, it's easy I can say anything to Billy and that sort of is I could anything. say anything anything <laughs> but anything <laughs> from you know I'm having this terrible time in my personal life you know what 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 am I am I contributing to it can you help can you help explain me back to me all the way through to sort of I've got this idea for a thing does it sound any good to you and I'm you know be very supported and I really respect what she says in both cases and that's yeah considering it's sort of Billy Piper off the telly that's a bit weird <laughs> I suppose but it's not anymore yeah, I, I have to say exactly the same. Definitely, definitely, Lucy. There are people around me who have supported me and my career and gone out of 
you know, uh, above and beyond to, to do that. But I would say on a sort of personal and, and professional tip, it would 100% be Lucy, unquestionably, yeah. Is that boring? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really boring. It sounds, it sounds disgusting, um, but that is, um, that's the truth. To have those two things working at the same time is, I, I know it's pretty remarkable. And I cherish that. Really special. I just want to get one more question in because I'm conscious of time. Um, we've spoken to previous guests about changes in the entertainment industry and, and perhaps more from a technological standpoint that there are more streaming services like Now TV available and more opportunities for actors. But the other side of that is the cultural changes, movements that have taken place. Take this year alone with Black Lives Matter. Uh, and of course, three years ago, you had Me Too as a movement. Um, I only ask because... Lucy, you've mentioned in other interviews that five years ago, I Hate Susie couldn't have been made. I just wondered, has Me Too as a movement acted almost as a catalyst in, in the show getting made? I'm, I'm sure it probably has on some level, but, you know, you, you, to be very Not accurate... Enough. Yeah, to be, yeah you, to be very accurate, you'd, you'd have to speak to the commissioners involved because I can only make presumptions. Um, I do think that it's, it's odd the way that it works. Like, you have a situation where commissioners and channels feel a certain amount of pressure and sort of shame and criticism around representation and diversity and things like that, which is not the right way to start thinking about these things, but I think that is what happens. And then they start, they start to allocate more resources to that sense of representation and diversity. You know, they don't always, you know, there isn't a replacement that goes on within the, the institution itself often. There isn't a replacement in management or in commissioners, but in terms of representation, who's writing, who's directing, who's on screen, they will do that. And then just by doing that, you do get different perspectives and different kinds of shows, um, which I think is useful. So fundamentally, yes, that's the difference that's been made. But I do think, you know, the things worth noting are Incredibly arrogantly, I was slightly surprised by how difficult it was to get this show made in the sense that there was a very famous actor attached to it from the start and I have a CV that is, you know, acceptable in terms of writing for television. More than acceptable. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's an element where you go, OK, I, you know, their slate is complex and they have choices to make. But I, I admit, arrogantly, I was slightly surprised by that. Is there almost encouragement though over the last two years? Yeah, it's, encour it's encouraging, but 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 I suppose I still carry a slight wariness. Firstly, how much of it is fashion? How much of it is a feeling of oh gosh, we've got to be seen to do mm. this, and then everything resets? That's a fairly normal thing to happen in any industry. So I'm very I'm wary of that. Oh yeah, the second thing I was going to say was the pressure that comes with that. So. The pressure to not fail when you are given an opportunity that has a female protagonist when you're a woman writer, you know, and, um, you know, in other cases, if you if you to come from um, an ethnic background that people, you know, are sort of keen to make the issue, uh, which, again, is another problem slightly that that then becomes the focus. You become representative of something that means that the work has to be really good or people will go, well, that's why we, you know, that's why we don't give Mm. loads of programs to you know women for no reason like like you could be a part of a problem then so there is a pressure there that I think you have to watch out for a little bit that you're giving people a pressure to represent 
something and actually therefore taking chances in a way that other artists might be able to do as a matter of course you would be less inclined to do which then makes the work less interesting ironically well, I read a quote from The Guardian that said, um, I'm glad someone managed to squeeze just one more th- woman thing into their busy, busy schedule. And I couldn't agree more. As a woman, I loved watching it. There are so many moments that you just know a woman has been behind it. I think my favourite being where Susie's walking along the street saying, like, a woman is a great woman's love. And then five minutes later, they're arguing sort of in the cafe and having a spat. And I was like, only women will understand that that is just completely normal behavior um so we we thoroughly enjoyed it so um it's been great to chat to you guys about the show oh thanks thank you i'm so glad you liked it thank you very much i don't think we've had more notes for an interview there was so much we wanted to talk about the themes around the show so much and your careers <laughs> loved it it's been amazing thanks guys billy lucy thank you so much for being on plot twist thanks everyone So there we go, the Piper and Preble. Definitely going to that pub. That is a pub I would go in and have a little cheeky <laughs> G&T at. <laughs> that was quite witty for me. I, I think we capable. were all surprised. <laughs> we were all surprised. <laughs> I do think, though, we have found some friends that can rival us in terms of level of friendship. They were literally just yeah. constantly ribbing each other, laughing, but at the same time you can tell that they absolutely adore each other. Yeah, that was the overriding sort of feeling I got after the interview. That's just how close I was, pals, and they could, I think they say they could sort of really be quite honest with each other and creatively as friends as well. It's a nice balance. And we had some great responses to their random questions. Like, what a mix of things to have. We had computer games, video calling, Glastonbury made Glastonbury, a feature. Yeah. yeah, Billy loves the live music, that's for sure. But they were just really honest as well. They didn't pull any punches. They, they didn't hold back. They were just, when Lucy was talking about the contraceptive pill or... Billy's talking about extreme disturbia in the industry and how that sort of you know, plagues your your thought process in part of entertainment. Um, it just felt refreshingly honest. I like it when we find out something that we uh, we didn't know about them before, and I definitely didn't know about her having a Broadway show that was yeah. taken to the US and then failed within a week. That is savage, and what a lesson so to brutal. learn. Yeah, one one article from a New York Times journalist, and suddenly a successful West End production gets shut down yeah. within what ten days incredible it's nuts um but i guess in some ways that kind of that rejection and that sort of um feedback it, it, you're either going to go one way or the other and she's obviously since then just gone on to new heights and and you know had huge success yeah but yeah what a series and a big thank you to billy piper and lucy preble for coming on this week and if you don't want to miss out on the glory that is i hate Susie, it is available to watch on now tv now fran we should probably tee up next week Uh, There's a new show in town. It's called Brave New World, which uh, features a sort of dystopian future where chaos ensues unless you take a pill. That's all I'm going to say. We have got the two stars of the show, Harry Lloyd, who viewers may remember from Game of Thrones, Khaleesi's brother, and uh, the BBC production of Robin Hood, one of my personal favourites. And of course, Jessica Brown Finley, who viewers will definitely remember from Downton Abbey. So we've got them both next week. What a treat that is. What a treat indeed, and it's only seven days away. But in the meantime, make sure you hit the subscribe button. If your singing at the beginning hasn't put them off. Very funny. I'm sure if they'd seen the photo of you and the dog, it would have put them off enough. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Mm, See ya. (laughs) 